We continue now in our uh, series uh, for the Advent season, uh, looking at the different stories in the Gospel of Luke. Today we'll be uh, looking at uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, where God reveals the birth of His Son, and then the announcement of the angels and the shepherds. Before I read Scripture, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank You for this day, this opportunity to worship You, to sing Your praises, to hear Your Word read and uh, preached on. We ask that You open our hearts and minds to Your Scripture. Use me as Your vessel to, to speak Your Word and to provide just a part of the many blessings to, to, to share the work that you're doing in, in my life and the lives of those here with us today. We give you honor and praise and glory for all that you say and do. Bless this time and thank you again for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So what do you do when you have a big announcement to make? It's a very special topic that you want to bring up. It's something, a very important event that's going to happen. If you're like most people, you will probably keep it a little quiet, keep it on the down low until it's just the right time and place to make the announcement. But then you present this news with much fanfare, basically telling everyone you know what's going on. Well, today we're going to see how God chose maybe a different way to announce His plan of redemption 
and specifically the birth of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're interested in taking notes, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin. Uh, we'll break this out into two sections today as we uh, uh, hear God's word preached. We'll, the first section will be this, the shepherd's subject, and then the next section is the shepherd's message. So we see that the birth of Jesus was anticipated by God's people for a very long time. To understand this anticipation, we need to reflect on who Jesus is, understanding who he is and why he came. So this takes us back to the beginning, literally. Jesus was with God, the Father, in creation. And how do we know this? John 1, 1 through 4 tells us, in the beginning was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the Word and the light of the world. With creation of the world completed, God spent much time with His creation, including man and woman, Adam and Eve. And it was good. He gave the Garden of Eden to work and to keep. God said in Genesis 2, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But the crafty serpent challenged their understanding of God's direction and convinced Eve and Adam that they could eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not deal with any consequences. He was so wrong. The course of mankind changed with the fall, but God had a plan to deal with this response as he tells the serpent in Genesis 3. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. God's plan of redemption is first announced here. As we continue through the Old Testament story, God called Abraham to be the father of many offspring, including Isaac, Jacob, and his sons, the twelve tribes of Israel. Moses leads God's people out of the bondage in Egypt. The people are led to the promised land and settled there. Life continues to be a challenge for them as the people draw to God and then fall away. The people, over time, are seeking a king to lead them. So God gives them a king, Saul, and fills him with the Spirit of the Lord. However, like many kings that follow, Saul sins and is then no longer filled with the Spirit of the Lord. God next calls David to be king. The books, the first and second Samuel, will give you a little more detail about these events. But our scripture reading from Second Samuel, uh, verse chapter seven, kind of gives us a little bit of the covenant that God makes with David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God's promise of a righteous son for David points to Jesus, whose birth we celebrate. He is the king from the line of David. He came to build God's house. 
He came to this world to fulfill God's plan of redemption for his people. Later on we see Isaiah, the prophet called by God to tell the people of Israel to give up their sinful ways. Return to God, the Father, God of their fathers throughout time. In Isaiah 9, he foretells the birth of the Savior, God's chosen Redeemer. From Isaiah chapter 9, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So who is this child? He is the son being given, given by God to be the Savior. And what will he be called? This child will have four wonderful names. First of all, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful focuses on the child's ability to work miracles to do what is marvelous and astounding in the eyes of all. God had used that word in Genesis 18 when Sarah laughed, hearing the angel declare that she was about to have a child when she was 90 years old. God asked her, is anything too hard or wonderful for the Lord? The prophet Jeremiah acknowledged the same truth as he confessed, nothing is too hard, wonderful for you, O Lord. Add to the concept of wonderful the fact that this child is also wonderful in counsel, and magnificent in wisdom from Isaiah 28. And the excellence of this child's name, Wonderful Counselor, begins to dawn on our understanding. A second name given to him is Mighty God, which also appears in Isaiah 10, where the remnant will return to the same Mighty God. Both the power and deity of the Lord are spoken of in this name. The word for mighty appears elsewhere as the power strength or might of a warrior or hero. A third name is Everlasting Father, or the father or possessor, possessor of eternity. This child was not one born subsequent to God the Father, or as an afterthought, for he too is and always has been eternal, as I heard earlier in the reading from the Gospel of John. Indeed, the quality of this fatherhood is defined by the words eternal or everlasting. He is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is our Father, our Redeemer from of old. Surely this shows his eternal fatherly care and protection for his people. Finally, this child is called Prince of Peace, the one who brings peace to the world. Peace is not only the ending of warfare, for the very cause of hostility, human sin is to be dealt with by this child, the Messiah. For all who know this child as their own personal savior, this peace has already begun. But more completely and finally, this peace will come in the days of those when kings, of, the, of those kings, when the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. His kingdom shall never end, as Luke described in chapter one. As we look at Luke's word and describing the birth of Jesus, we see first a decree that came out from Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, that all the world was to be registered. A call to register in the town of their ancestors. Since Joseph was of the house and lineage of David, that meant going from Nazareth to Galilee. Nazareth in Galilee 
to Bethlehem and Judea to the city of David. This was foretold by Micah in another one of our earlier readings. And Mary, his betrothed, who was with child, also had to go with him to be counted in the census. As a couple arrived in the city, the time came for the birth of the child. With so many people returning to Bethlehem for the census, accommodations were limited. They ended up in the most meager of places, a stable with a manger for a bed for baby Jesus, because there was no room for them in the inn. The manger is likely a feeding trough for the animals, and swaddling cloths were cloth, cloth wrapped around the baby's arms and legs and torso, keeping his body covered and protected. The contrast between these humble beginnings of Jesus' birth and the greatness of his call from God could not be greater. The promised Son of God enters creation among his creation. The decree of a census put the child in the promised city as told by God through his word. God quietly worked through the situation with the stable as the first throne room for King Jesus. Do you trust God to work through the simple things in your life? Do you see him using ordinary means to change you and to show you his plan for your life? Sometimes the most profound messages from God come in the most simplest forms or ordinary circumstances. If there's ever a time for God to majestically announce the birth of his son, the Savior, this you think would have been the time. But in his providence, he chose a different plan. God did not presume upon humanity when he sent his son to redeem it. There was no pretense in this arrival. Rather, God chose to identify in the humblest way with those made in his image. The story of Jesus' birth mixes praise with simplicity. So as we see, now understanding a little bit better who the, the subject is of the shepherd's story, let's see what the shepherd's message is about. While Joseph and Mary took care of Jesus, right after his birth, many shepherds were tending their flocks in the area. Now, the use of shepherds to tell the word about the world about the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior, is kind of surprising. When you think about what shepherds were considered and their reputations were in that day. In Jesus' day, shepherds lived on the bottom rung of the ladder of society. The average citizen of Judea had little to do with the shepherds. Consequently, no one could have predicted that the first people to hear about Jesus, outside of his parents, would be a group of shepherds. In spite of this, an angel of the Lord appeared to these men who were watching their sheep and were going to then be able to watch and hear one of the greatest sound and light shows of all times. The angel of the Lord was surrounded by the glory of God. The glory was shining and did not belong to the angel himself. It was God's glory, signifying his divine being. It was the divine splendor that covered the heavenly messenger, a visible divine radiance. When the shepherds were filled with great fear, they were admonished by the angel. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Every human being longs for a Savior of some type. We look for something or someone who will solve our problems, take away our pains, or grant us peace and happiness. We make this search in the pursuit of success in school or business to the discovery of a perfect friend 
or spouse. The burst of light that flooded the fields of Bethlehem announced the advent of the Savior who is able to do all that is needed. We see that the newborn Savior is also called Christ the Lord. To the amazed shepherds, these titles were full of meaning. The Savior is the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. Every Jew remembered that the promised Messiah, the Lord's anointed one, would come to deliver Israel. This Messiah Savior is also Lord. He will not only save his people, but will be their king. The angel declared that this Savior Messiah Lord is born unto you. This divine announcement is not a declaration of judgment, but a pronouncement of a gift. The newborn king is born for you and for me. Undoubtedly, we tend to place heavy emphasis on the lowly circumstances of Jesus' birth when we retell this Christmas story every year. This is certainly appropriate, for the Son of God humbled himself when he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, from Philippians 2. Jesus' entire life was marked by humility and humiliation. As he moved from the manger in Bethlehem to a common life in Nazareth, to his death on the cross. Yet this humiliation finally led to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus had been faithful to his Father, he exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, Savior Christ the Lord. Understandably, the shepherds were afraid, but in this case, the glory of God's presence was a good thing. This was the announcement of the Savior the one who had come to redeem even the outcasts of society. So after the angels sang their praises to the Lord, the shepherds quickly traveled to Bethlehem to see the wonderful gift given by God the Father to his people. The shepherds were eager to see Jesus, the Savior of the world. We also should be eager to see him. This involves not only coming to him in our conversions, but also in seeking his face all the days of our lives. Though we will not see the fullness of his glory this side of heaven, we will nonetheless come to a fuller understanding and appreciation of his glory as we study his word and turn to him in prayer. We should join the shepherds in glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them and is told to us. We have a great God who sent his son to die for our sins. We should shout it from the mountaintops and from the plains. Matthew Henry comments that Jesus saves his people from the guilt of sin by the merit of his death, from the dominion of sin by the spirit of his grace. In saving them from sin, he saves them from wrath and the curse and all misery here and ever after. Jesus came to save us and empowers us to live in a manner that pleases him. Is Jesus Christ your savior? Are you living the life that he is calling you to? Trust in God's plan for you. He knows what he's doing. After all, his perfect plan gave us Jesus, his son, to be the savior of the world. Keep his glory as your focus in life, not the successes or challenges or triumphs of this world. Then you can join the multitudes of angels, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
He came on that day to that city as the Savior, Messiah, and King according to God's perfect plan. May God fill you with His presence and give you peace as we celebrate the birth of Jesus and proclaim it to the world. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of our Savior Jesus Christ. Help us to remember that as we celebrate his birth. That's just the beginning of your plan as you call him to be the Savior of the world and you call him to be the Savior of each one of us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.